Hello and welcome to another edition of 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. This is Councilman Brandon Cohn. We're podcasting today, Wednesday, September 27th, 2017, and my guest is Chris Cobb. Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great. Chris is uh, one of the newest school board members for Jefferson County Public Schools. He represents District 2. There are seven JCPS districts. And part of the purpose of having Chris on the show today is to address what I think is a gap between the understanding and relationship of Jefferson County Public Schools, Louisville Metro Government, how the two institutions work together, and where the rubber meets road in your neighborhoods, what that means for you. So uh, without sort of further ado, Chris, did you want to uh, tell people a little bit about um, what's it like being a JCPS school board member? Uh, it's really fun. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of different aspects to the job. Um, you know, it's a it, it's a little bit strange because the school systems all over the state, I believe there's 173 different school systems in Kentucky. Um, we're all under almost exactly the same guidelines that come from the state. So uh, the only difference in Louisville is that there are seven board members instead of every other district has five. Um, but sometimes there are some things that work really well for other school districts that maybe have, you know, 10 or 20 schools and, and you know, we have 155. So it's, it's a lot bigger of a job than I think the, uh, state legislature may have, uh, may have anticipated when they, you know, rolled out the statutes for it. So there are some challenges with it, you know, where it's a volunteer position essentially. And, uh, we all have, you know, other full-time jobs and it's just a huge district. So it can be a bit of a struggle to keep up with everything, especially these days with education being, um, kind of a political hot topic, but, uh, having said all that, I really like it. I mean, I like talking to people. I like, helping people out. I like learning, you know, all the different aspects of the job. Yeah, you mentioned that it's a massive job. And mm-hmm. just to put things in a comparison for people, um, um, it's the 28th largest school system in the United mm-hmm. States. There are 6,600 teachers, which is more than there are the total number of employees in all of Louisville Metro government. Right. There's 155 schools plus several other related facilities. Yeah. And what is the budget of uh, Jefferson County Public Schools approximately this year? Uh, well, the, I can tell you exactly because okay. we just passed it last night. It's $1.583 billion. $1.583 billion. That's right. And so yeah. to put it in perspective, that's approximately twice the size of the budget of Louisville Metro government. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was bigger. <laughs> right. And so, um, you know, I think second to the state of Kentucky's annual budget, it's the biggest budget in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. That's right. Yeah. And we, you know, we have 101,000 students. So, you know, if you break it down on a per per pupil basis, it's not quite as much as it sounds like. In fact, Kentucky, as you might anticipate, unfortunately, kind of struggles to keep up with education spending compared to other states. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of money for sure. And so I know when people think about Metro Council, especially at the district level, like, uh, like when we're talking to folks here, they think about some of the daily work that we do. We make sure that um, you know, garbage and recycling mm-hmm. works and that streets are repaired and maintained and that sort of thing, above right. from the citywide policy issues that we weigh in on. Mm-hmm. Um, from just a asset management perspective, then, uh, it seems like Jefferson County Public Schools has a lot of infrastructure to maintain. Do you get involved at that level where schools are part of our community's infrastructure, or are you sort of only involved in looking at the education policy that affects students? It's mostly education policy. Um, there are The board does have a few committees. Uh, one of them focuses specifically on facilities, and 
that's a standing committee of the board, but right now we are trying to inject some new life and, and new people into that committee because we we have to do a pretty significant overhaul of the facilities in Jefferson County Public Schools. They were built, you know, coming out of the baby boomer era, you know, so the, the buildings don't really match our population uh, dynamics anymore. Um, and we just need to build some more modern buildings um, that are better able to suit the needs of today's student. You know, schools that are being built today by and large don't look very much like schools that were built 30 40 50 years ago and i think just for a point of comparison your uh, alma mater ballard was the last uh high school that we built and i think that was 50 years ago so wow. that's our newest high school is 50 years old so um we definitely have some work to do on facilities i'm looking on my screen here at what is the jefferson county public schools comprehensive infrastructure assessment exactly. and i've reviewed this document it is one of the most impressive um <laughs> facilities management assessments i've ever seen uh, without really getting into it it's available on jefferson county public yeah. schools website they spend a lot of time and i would guess money looking at every school and and evaluating it yeah. and planning for the future and yeah. um one of the things that I noticed is that all five, I think I'm not missing any, public schools in District 8, mm -hmm. that would be Hawthorne and Bloom Elementaries, Highland and Jefferson County Traditional Middle Schools, and Atherton High School right. are all over their optimal capacity. I think right. the study says that schools that are more than 115% over optimal capacity right. are strained or right. are... And, yeah. and Atherton tops in at the top at 120% over optimal yeah. capacity. So yeah. do we need more school buildings in the Highlands area? Uh, that's a good question. And the honest answer is I, I don't really know. Um, and I, I do want to give a shout out to um, our chief of operations, Dr. Mike Razor, who uh, is just really uh, awesome at that job and, and put that together. Um, whether or not we do, the reality is 120% is bad. Don't get me wrong. And I'm certainly going to be advocating first and foremost for District 2 schools. Uh, there are many other schools that stand out as being a lot worse than that. Um, Crosby, for example, you've probably heard of, you know, significant overcrowding issues. Um, and that's that's a symptom of what I was talking about earlier with the with the, where our buildings are not really matching the population dynamics. So I mean it, it's it's really an exciting time to be on the school board because we uh, over the next you know it's going to take a while obviously but who knows four or five six years we have an opportunity and we really have to move the district into the 21st century with our facilities. So uh, as part of that, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at every school. Um, and that's one of the hard parts of the job is that with 155 buildings, 101,000 students, everything is so interconnected with each other that when you start pulling on one thread with facilities or student assignment, diversity, you name it, um, it leads to, you know, everything else. So it's, um, it's hard to get your arms around, but we're taking steps to do it. Well, it's clearly a time of transition, obviously, with uh, the former superintendent Hargens being gone now mm -hmm. and Marty Polio serving in the interim role. And, I, you know, I read the article about Marty in Louisville Magazine when mm -hmm. I was on a plane recently <laughs> flying away on vacation, and I was so impressed by him in the article. I texted him right right from, <laughs> the, from the airplane and said, can we yeah. get together when you get back? Yeah. I like the way you think. And he talked a lot about thinking of all 155 schools as a system, Absolutely. as opposed to you know, a collect, uh, you know, 155 different right. things. Right. And, um, you know, 
I don't know as much about our school system as I should, and so I imagine a lot of people don't. Right. Tell me a little bit about you know, when we look for um, equitable investments mm-hmm. in our schools and yeah. treating people across this community in a way that's fair to everyone. Um, one might think that you know the schools that are located in the wealthier parts of town are are, are tip top shape, mm-hmm. and the ones that are in poorer parts of town are falling apart. How is that? analysis complicated by the fact that folks are bused from all over. So you might live in either a a wealthier or poorer part of town, but then actually spend your school day in a building that's... So, and you know, when it comes to the funding of the schools, can you sort of give an overview for people that are curious about the, the, how equitable our system is at this point? Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. I mean, we could, you know, spend a few hours talking about it. Um, But so there's a lot of different pieces to it. You know, one, on the equity piece, one thing we know for sure is that concentrations of poverty in schools matter a lot. Um, so yes, poverty, being from poverty is not good for your individual educational outcomes, but uh, that effect can be buffered if you go to a school that is not high poverty. So that's a lot of our student assignment and uh, giving parents a lot of choices where they can go is about you know, trying to make sure that we don't have too many concentrations of poverty. Having, having said that, if you look at the breakdown now, we're not really succeeding. And that's, um, you know, we've got a student assignment committee that's, you know, starting to meet right now. And that's a, a big aspect of what they're going to look at is uh, how can we uh, not only try to modernize our facilities, but also make sure that, uh, that we don't get those high concentrations of poverty. On the first point you brought up about just the general condition of facilities. Unfortunately, you know, at the risk of painting, you know, with a little bit broad of a brush, that does tend to be true. I mean, facilities in in uh, lower income parts of town uh, aren't as nice. Um, and frankly, you know, when I was running for the Board of Education, that was one of the things that I focused on. It's like, if you're a kid going to school and you got ceiling tiles falling in, you know, water coming in, you know, it sends a message to you about what your community thinks about you, you know, how much it values you compared to other schools. Um, we just had a board meeting last night out at Norton Commons, our newest school. It's a fantastic school. I'm glad it's there. Um, but we need to build really, you know, awesome schools like that in, in more parts of town, especially, you know, in, uh, in West Louisville that, you know, has been, um, underserved, you know, across the board by the city in a number of ways. And so is that possible under the current sort of funding formulas and guidelines? Do, does all, do all tax dollars flow into one pot? And theoretically, you could build brand new nice schools anywhere, or are you somehow constrained by people's taxes that live in one area only go to pay for schools in that area? Can no, yeah, that's, I mean, that's one of the good things about Jefferson County having a unified system is that, you know, we do have uh, people from across the county, it goes into the general fund. We the the issue that we're up against is we our operations budget has been flat you know for a number of years now and that's partially because of the board partially because state revenue has been declining um, and we just you know we're we're kind of believe it or not with a billion and a half dollar budget we're kind of kind of cash strapped um, but uh, and we have certain uh, in the budget we have to set aside a certain amount for capital improvement um, but one of the things that um, interestingly enough, the Kentucky Department of Education brought up to us when we went through our interviews for the audit that they just did, um, which you know is pretty critical and, and deservedly so in many ways of, of JCPS, was that 
they really focused on our facilities and that we needed to take bolder, more aggressive steps to uh, uh, equalize the facilities we have. It's really interesting because in a lot of ways, you know, you all are governing a city within a city. That's right, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, again, comparing the size of the government you're operating with, the police department is Louisville Metro government's largest department budget-wise. It's $193 million this year. Oh, wow. So, you know, if you thought of the schools as being, in some cities, does Chicago control the Chicago public schools? Is that? Oh my gosh, I think so. Yes. Well, it, I think Rom. Yeah. There, there are some. <laughs> there are at least some examples of, yeah. of cities out there where the city government controls public schools. Right. That is not the case here. That's not. The governments right. are totally unrelated. There, one does not control or have any really official yeah. authority over the other. But if you thought of our school system as a, being a city department, it would be yeah. eight times bigger than our police department, right. budget-wise. So just to, it's really it's. It's something to wrap your head around if yeah. people haven't, don't think about it. Yeah, and honestly, you know, I've been obviously just on the school board for about nine months, but I've been active in the community with various issues related to education and other things for, you know, going on eight or nine years. And really up until four or five years ago, even I didn't really understand, you know, the relationship between uh, school board and metro government. You know, I, it came as a shock when I learned, uh, you know, like I said, four or five years ago that the school board, you know, has the ability to raise taxes. You know, it's I, I, I guess just kind of assumed that that had to be a metro government decision. But yeah, especially not. if, you know, if you don't have children at all or mm -hmm. you don't have uh, kids in the public school system. Right. Uh, the school system and the schools are almost hidden in plain sight for some people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even when those same big pieces of infrastructure are right in their neighborhoods, and that's right. sort of, you know, as we sort of zoom in and out in terms of um, what is the role of schools in neighborhoods right. and neighborhoods in schools, right. not to be confused with quote-unquote exactly. neighborhood schools, exactly. but yeah. more sort of the town-gown relationship right. that you talk about. Um yeah. What, yeah. What, what, you know, I've always been very interested in the concept of community schools. Absolutely. And I yeah. read in, uh, I'll, I'll let you talk, why don't you explain for, to folks generally what community schools well, means? Well, to be fair, I, I don't know, you know, there may be a technical definition that I'm not familiar with, um, but, you know, when I think of community school, I think, you know, the school as a community gathering spot, you know, so it's not just a place where kids get educated, but you know, you mentioned the relationship between neighborhood and schools. It's like a, a school, this is something that I think people don't, you know, appreciate all the time is that a school can be a neighborhood school without having just kids from that neighborhood in it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, Wagner High School, for example, is a perfect example. It's a, it's a, you know, really diverse school, great school, great principal there, uh, Sarah Hitchings. And, um, you know, it's St. Matthew's, you know, one of the small cities over there, not in District 8, but, you know, um, does a really great job of working with them. They, for instance, really helped make a, uh, the, the uh, redo of their track. They have an awesome new track facility out there. St. Matthew City was a big part of that. So those types of things, I think, are, are what we need to do much more in throughout the city. And I think I know you're interested in doing that in District 8, so... Yeah, very. I mean, yeah. you, can't, you, know, you can't ignore the impact of these schools, these big pieces of infrastructure yeah. on neighborhoods. Atherton yeah. uh, alone, let me look at my... How many acres is Atherton? It's, yeah. it's almost 50 acres. It is 49.23 right. acres. Right. Yeah. And it has a massive impact, uh, a footprint, rather, in the neighborhood. Yeah. You know, there are 
uh, about, let's see, almost 1,400 or 1,500 people driving up and right. down the streets to get there every day. There's, right. there's large populations of kids. There's an impact. Right. And so I think some people have uh, a lot of questions. You know, if there's a problem uh, because people are speeding down the road right. or parking or doing something, who should they call? Should right. they call me? Should they call you? Should they call the principal? Is there right. even sort of a system set up for community, you know, community engagement between the schools and neighborhoods? Yeah, I mean, that's another really fantastic point. My colleague um, on the school board, Dr. Lisa Wilner, she often talks about the need for us on the board to create mechanisms that we can uh, go out into the public more and get feedback. Because uh, I mean, it, it's hard. Like I mentioned, you know, school board members are volunteers, you know, pretty much, and we all have full-time jobs. So, and the public is welcome to come to school board meetings and uh, and make a, a you know a three-minute statement, just like they can at Metro Council. Um, but you know, that doesn't really give us the opportunity to really discuss, you know, and and uh, flesh out some issues. So we 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 need to do a better job as a school board and as a school board working with metro government and other metro agencies like parks or what have you you know to 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 get out there in the community and you and i have talked about trying to set up a town hall Absolutely. style kind of yeah. meeting in uh, a school in district eight where we can invite where i can appear you can appear the right. principal can appear whoever's sort of appropriate from both louisville metro government and jcps right. to talk about some of these issues together i yeah. If it was up to me, I would love to see the mayor of the city of Louisville mm. and the superintendent of JCPS hold a jointly, a, a monthly joint yeah. press conference, just so that yeah. the public can see these two leaders side by side yeah. and realize, wait a minute, is this one just as important as that one? <laughs> right. Because, um, you know, I don't know whether it's not in the media as much or, uh, you know, the Metro Council is easier to, is, is yeah. inherently more political. Right, exactly. And so that's why it's yeah. sort of talked about more. But, um, yeah. you know, I'm really interested in raising positive awareness of schools and, yeah. and returning to the issue of community schools. Right. I sort of brought up the example of, well, what happens when something going wrong? Who do they, who do they call? <laughs> right. And the idea of community schools is these schools have so much to offer in terms of you know, physical assets. It's almost like every school has its own park, its own library, yeah. its own cafeteria, Absolutely. its own meeting spaces. Um, yeah. How can we open up the schools more during off hours in our community so that the neighbors become an, uh, because so that they, those become right. resources to the neighbors and the neighbors thereby take a greater interest in the schools and, and the kids that are there every day. Yeah, I mean I, that's really exciting, and it, it, I'm. It's very much in line with what we discuss when we have the opportunity to. Um, Diane Porter, uh, who's the District 1 representative, and myself as a, are on the facilities committee, and one of the things that we've uh, talked about there is preliminary plans to move central offices out of where they are now. The building is too old. It costs too much money uh, to get a better economic deal, but then to make the JCPS central office essentially just what you are uh, describing, you know, a community space. Now, I mean, that's clearly not enough. With 155 schools, we need uh, at least a few schools in every district that are available to the community, you know, as as meeting spaces, playgrounds, like you said. Um, you know, the 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 land at Atherton is just you know huge and beautiful, and uh, could do a lot of really interesting stuff there. Um, so those are just, you know, those are conversations that we're going to continue to have to have with each other and with the metro government. And yeah, it's, it's been a busy, you know, nine months, first nine months on the school board. So 
there's my list of things that I want to get to is pretty darn long, and that's that's pretty high on the on the top of the list. Well, it just so happens that right after this podcast recording, I'm going over to Hawthorne Elementary School oh, cool. to meet with their principal, Jessica Rosenthal. Jessica's awesome. And in a minute here, I want to talk a little bit about the District 8 schools and their leaders yeah. and let you talk about and inform people about just what's going on in their neighborhoods and their schools right. they might not know about. But I'm meeting with uh, uh, Jessica to talk about the possibility of improving the schoolyard over at Hawthorne to be more of a playground and park with a community school kind of policy for the rest of the Hawthorne neighborhood. That's awesome. Sort of modeled on a New York City program called um, Schoolyards to Playgrounds. And so uh, hopefully we can get a a pilot project that works and it'll just be the beginning of things. Yeah, absolutely. I I mentioned Hawthorne Elementary and uh, that might be one that people don't know about. By my count, there are I'll say one more time, and, and if I, I hate to put you on the spot since no, you're okay. responsible for yeah. knowing 155 of them. <laughs> I don't know them all, I'll tell you that. <laughs> the two elementary schools are uh, Hawthorne and Bloom. Correct. The two middle schools are Highland and Jefferson County Traditional Middle School. Correct. And Atherton is, I think, our only JCPS it, high school. It is. I also have Seneca and Wagner, but just outside District 8. Okay. Yeah. And, and for, for people, they can go online and see what a map of yeah. JCPS District 2 looks like. Mm. The county split up into seven pieces instead mm-hmm. of 26 for the Metro mm-hmm. Council, so you can imagine what Chris's you know, <laughs> yeah. map and constituency looks like. Yeah. Uh, tell people a little bit about Hawthorne and uh, the Spanish Immersion yeah. Program. So I was Hawthorne, fascinated to learn about yeah, that. Yeah, Hawthorne may be one of the best-kept secrets in JCPS, not only because Jessica is just a fantastic principal, uh, but they have, as you said, this unbelievable Spanish Immersion Program where students learn literally learn a few subjects, uh, I want to say it's math and science, but it may not be that, uh, in Spanish, Um, which, you know, as a parent, like when I heard that, I was like, does that really work? Like, how does that? No, it really does. If you go, we visited Hawthorne when we were looking for schools for, um, for our youngest, and the kids from a really young age, if they start kindergarten or first grade there, are, if not fluent, then almost fluent in Spanish. I mean, their accents are just flawless, you know. Um, Marty Polio, Dr. Polio, the superintendent, his daughter went to uh, Hawthorne, uh, now goes to Noah, I believe. And he said that she came out of elementary school basically fluent in Spanish. So it's unreal. And the great thing now is that Dr. Aberly, who is the principal at Atherton, but took a two-year break to be the principal of Highland. And then my understanding is, is going back to Atherton next year. But uh, he's uh, uh, instituting that immersion program in, in Highland Middle School as well. So now you can, you know, go all the way through the eighth grade with Spanish immersion. And it, as you know, I mean, you know, Spanish is going to be an absolute necessity for kids that grow up today. Yeah, and I'll say, you know, in retrospect, so I, I uh, was bused to Coleridge Taylor Elementary yeah, School for my first went. through third yeah. grade. And I started learning Spanish in first grade. Now mm-hmm. we, we had a Spanish class. We didn't learn all of our subjects right. in Spanish, like at the immer- like at the uh, uh, immersion right. kind of a program. But I think that in 1986 in Louisville, Kentucky, that was pretty progressive. Probably, uh, yeah. <laughs> and sh- I'll give a quick sh- shout out to Senora Weebush in case uh-huh. she's listening still. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and you know, I really enjoyed Spanish yeah. as a first grader and all the way through my elementary and middle and high school careers. Yeah. And um, I think that the immersion program is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I would encourage anybody to. If you're looking at schools, uh, definitely check out Hawthorne. It's a it's a great option. And so you mentioned um, since we're talking about Highland and Atherton yeah. too, the uh, the leadership pipeline that's sort of and um, yeah. student flow pipeline that's happening yeah. there. 
Atherton is also a magnet school for, is it international studies? International, international baccalaureate. Bi- yeah. Okay. So, I mean, basically international studies, but it, it's called IB or international baccalaureate. It's a European based program uh, that they, that they use. I took a, I'm an Atherton graduate from 94, took several IB classes. And the program now, from everything I've seen, is, is you know, light years beyond what it was when I was there. Nothing against my teachers <laughs> that were there then. But these, um, uh, I've seen teaching demonstrations from some of these IB teachers. I mean, it, it's, it's just unreal. You know, they have these Socratic seminars, you know, where kids are really generating content and, and reading really complicated stuff, digging into it really deeply. Um, that's, you mentioned earlier, Atherton is getting to be kind of over optimal capacity and the, uh, Dr. Averly, the principal there is one of the reasons, but, uh, in tandem with that is just the, uh, you mean because it created such a great program, it's create, in demand. Exactly. It's in, it's in very high demands. I think if I'm not mistaken, I think Atherton might have the second highest composite ACT score, for example, uh, in the district. Um, so uh, and not that that's a perfect measure of, you know, quality of a school by any stretch, but it just gives you an idea of how good of a school it is. And so um, is it possible that if you live in District 8, you're a young mm-hmm. family, you have kids, you're thinking about uh, their education future, that there is sort of the, is it a realistic possibility with the student assignment plan and all the different ways that you all manage where people go to school right. that they could start at Hawthorne, uh, go to Highland, and go to Atherton oh, and have that sort of global education that begins with learning the language and expands out into the sort of liberal. Absolutely, yeah. I was um, I uh, most of the, the the kids at Atherton when I went there, and I'm sure it's probably still like this to some extent. Went to Bloom Highland and, and Atherton. Okay. Uh, I went to Brown School myself for grade school, so um, you know there were some of us that did that. But if you you know what most people don't realize if. Uh, uh, for people that apply, you get your first choice. 90% of those people get their first choice. Uh, and that really is only a major issue in elementary school. At the middle and high school level, uh, we do have neighborhood schools, essentially. Um, you can always go to the school you know, that's, that's, that's closest to your home or, or fairly close to your home. So, um, yeah, and, it's, if you, it, and this is something that we're looking at in that Student Assignment Review Committee. It's a... It's a balancing act between trying to create equity throughout the district, but then also simplifying the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a great magnet school review committee that had some awesome suggestions. I've been through the process twice as a parent, you know, and it's it is complicated in in, in a lot of ways that we need to simplify. So we've mentioned the mag the word magnet a couple of times. Yeah. We mentioned that Atherton is one. You said there's a magnet system for for people who might not even know what that means. What is Jefferson County Public Schools magnet? system or program and what does it look like so magnet um is essentially any school or program that you have to apply for entrance into um and a school can either be a full magnet school so examples of that are where my youngest goes lincoln performing arts school uh it does not have a what's called a resides area it's applications from all over the city um whereas a school like atherton is the IB program there is a magnet program. So Atherton has a resides area where you can go uh, if you live in a certain area. You don't have to do the IB program, um, but uh, 
if you live other places in the county and would normally be assigned to a different school, but you want to go to Atherton, you can apply for the IB program. And in fact, I think my colleague, uh, Ben Geese on the board, uh, who represents District 4, uh, he lives in the South End, and I believe that he went to Atherton through the IB program. So if it, you know, it sounds confusing for people who don't know anything about it and who are just sort of becoming turned on to uh, having to make some decisions about their kids' future. Yeah. It is September 2017, so mm-hmm. this school year has started. Right. If folks are trying to figure out for 2018 or 2019 how they yeah. start to learn more about this, is it just go to a website? Do you all do public outreach? How do people start to learn more about yeah, that's a fantastic question. So the the biggest event that we have is the Showcase of Schools, which is coming up in October. And I apologize, I don't have the exact date on me, but um, that's out at the fairgrounds. And we've we've it's a challenge because we are such a big system. There's not a lot of great venues to have an event that big, so it's not the most convenient venue. Unfortunately, we're trying to find more convenient ways to to do that. Um, but that's that's essentially your one-stop shop, you know, where every school has representatives there. You can ask, you know, as many questions as you want. Um, I will say we have a fabulous uh, student assignment uh, staff at Jefferson County Public Schools. Barbara Dempsey is the head of that. Um, You know, if you go to the JCPS website, um, you can find the different departments uh, there uh, pretty pretty easily. But I would say to anybody, too, that's listening, do not hesitate to reach out to your board member. You know, in most cases, if they're listening to this, it'll be me uh, in District 8. Um, you know, feel free to reach out to me. And at the very least, I can at least help get you uh, hooked up to who you need to talk to if I can't answer your question directly. Uh, but I have, you know, I have learned as a parent and as a board member, I've learned a lot about the, the student assignments uh, process, so I might be able to help you. I just did a quick Google of uh, JCPS Showcase of Schools, and it looks Thank like you. the event is October 28th this year. Excellent. Yeah. Obviously, anybody that's listening, you know, Google it, take yeah. a look and get all the information and check. But it, out it is. It's hard to believe since school just started, but now is a really good time to start. You know, if you're if you're applying uh, to JCPS next year, now is the time to do it. Um applications I don't think are due until uh, uh, you know November or uh, December 15th there you go okay it is that late okay I didn't remember if, that, if it was that late um, but uh, you know you want to you want to do your research you want to do some school visits for sure uh, if, you, if you can I know that's easier for some people than others um, but there's nothing like being in a school to give you a sense of what the school's like um, so that really helps let me add, you said that folks can reach out to you. Yeah. Um, what is your sort of um, engagement with the people that you directly represent? You know, I'm, I've, I'm started this job the same time you started yours, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to test out all sorts of different ways. Right. This podcast, newsletters, right. events, Facebook, Twitter, how to really connect to people because... I certainly have information that I'm trying to get across a lot and I want to hear from people and trying to construct the conversation. I guess, number one, do you feel like the expectation of a a JCPS board member is to have the same level of engagement? Is it a different expectation? Is it a different level of engagement in reality? And how have you been sort of trying to figure out how to how to communicate with everybody and work together? Yeah, that's I mean that's one of the biggest challenges, um, but probably the most important. As you mentioned, you you have no staff. I don't right. know that you have an office budget. You don't have a lot of resources. It's no. a volunteer job, so it's understandable why it's a yeah. challenge. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Yeah, all seven board members share a windowless, you know, 
30 square foot office at central office that we can use if we want to, you know, but we don't. And it's just not very convenient for people to come to. Um, so I, you know, I meet a lot of people for coffee at Heine Brothers, you know, and uh, places like that. My Heine Brothers bill has gone up about tenfold since I got on the board. I'm sure yours has too. Um, and, you know, that, that, the, I'm pretty good on email with people uh, and uh, my email is on the website. My phone number is on the website. Um, but that's, you know, what, so one of the things I'm looking at is I'm working with somebody, uh, who's building a website for me and I want to, you know, make that as interactive as possible. Um, so that, you know, I, as you said, you know, I can keep people, uh, informed of what's going on in the district. I can, um, get people, we have opportunities to, uh, for parents and others to be a part of decision-making committees in JCPS pretty frequently. Um, for instance, you know, I was just reaching out to some people to get on that student assignment committee that I think will be really good for it. Uh, but getting the word out about that stuff is really tough. Um, even when our staff, you know, for instance, goes out and has meetings out in the community, they often are not very well attended because it's, you know, it's hard to figure out how to, how, how to get the word out effectively. Um, so for, for now, unfortunately, the best answer I can give is, you know, uh, email me, call me, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, especially, you know, if it's something that directly impacts your kid that you're having some issues with, uh, like I said earlier, I'm not going to be able to solve your problem, but I can definitely help expedite the process. And one, one thing I'll say about our staff at JCPS is that, my experience so far has been that our staff is very helpful, very quick uh, to respond uh, to people. And in a system of 101,000 students, I mean, that's, that's no small feat. I'm sure, trust me, I know that we have work to do on being better at, you know, customer service, for lack of a better term. As does local uh, metro yeah, government. <laughs> right. Well, and that's Marty is, uh, Dr. Polio. Uh, is one of the things he's doing is setting up satellite central office locations, uh, for instance, because it's not, if you live at, you know, 38th and Broadway, it's not really convenient for you to get out to Newburgh Road and, you know, the Waterson to our office there. Um, it's actually not convenient at all. Uh, so they're not going to be open nine to five Monday through Friday or anything like that, but they will have hours, you know, where uh, people will be able to to, to get plugged in, you know, more easily. Well, just like, you know, I mean, I'm sure the demand is there. It says on the JCPS fact sheet on the website that there are 30,000 PTA members alone. Yeah. And, and those are people that are actually members. You don't have to be a PTA member to care deeply about Absolutely. the schools right. and your kids' education. So yeah. I, um, what about social media? Do you, do you use... Um, do you use social media in order for this purpose to sort of inform people about what's going on at JCPS or do you use it only sort of for your personal purposes or to talk yeah, about other things? for harassing people. Yeah, no, I, um, I, that's a part of the, as I, you know, roll out the website, which should be happening in the next month or two, I, I still have my campaign website or I'm sorry, my campaign Facebook account, but I don't really post to it anymore. I've, I've been waiting to, to kind of roll all that stuff out together. Um, but it's a, you know, and I'm sure it's like this on Metro government too. It's like you plan for things, but then on any given day, you can be thrown some curveball that, you know, absolutely <laughs> takes you down a hole that you're going to have to work on for a few weeks. And we've had a lot of those in JCPS over my first nine months. So, um, I, I thought I was going to be a lot quicker on doing things like that. Another thing that I've, uh, been very slowly putting together is uh, essentially an advisory committee for district two residents to have, you know, a kind of direct, um, direct line to me 
but also, you know, my my thought process is that these would ideally be folks that have some networks in their communities that can then go back and spread word of mouth about what's going on, about what we need, um, what we could use people to do, um, and uh, things of that nature. Well, we, one of the first things I did when I was preparing to come into office and came into office was to build my sort of communication systems yeah, website, social media, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it and it takes a long time, even with staff and resources. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that it takes some time to put it together. But once you have it out, if there's anything we can do to help promote it or point That's people awesome. to, I mean, you can yeah. tell people now your email or phone number if you want to. Yeah. But we'd be more than happy to try to direct them there in the first place because i think once you get them they're interested and they will they want to oh for sure i mean that's you know because everybody even if you don't have kids in the system everybody has a tie to jcps in this city one way or another you know either somebody that works there you know a, a teacher a student or just people you know in your community so there's you know what this community really has going for it with education is that people really care about jcps and, um, you know, I think that manifests itself in a lot of different ways. One of the ways is that people have really high expectations and they get upset when our, our schools don't meet those expectations. That's a great thing. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it, it can make the job interesting, but it's better to have people that that are disappointed because we're not meeting high expectations than people that just kind of say, yeah, it's public schools. What do you expect? You right. know, and we shouldn't accept less. I mean, I, we, we can and should do much better than we are currently doing. And uh, I think we've got some, well, I know we've got some really talented people that work at JCPS. Uh, I wasn't sure about that before I got on the board, but, but having seen these people work up close, they are really smart and really talented. And we just need to figure out how to put them in a position so that they can take our system where I know they can take it. And I think the same thing about Metro government employees. I, yeah. You know, they have a hard job yeah. and are under-resourced, and um, <laughs> right. I think I think the world of them. Yeah, It's, it's interesting because, you know, government politics, uh, local government, state government, it's complicated. And people yeah. have a lot of opinions, and this stuff's not easy, and there's not always right answers. JCPS sort of seems to be in, in uh, a subject that's sort of quasi-local government. Right. I mean, it is, right. it is, it is right. officially yeah. and legally, in every sense of the word, state government. Yeah, But it, right. it sort of almost occupies a space in between local politics and state politics. That's and right. clearly, you know, there are some issues between Louisville, Jefferson County, and the rest of the state that we're yeah. working through and dealing with. Um, you know, how are you handling the politics? And this is not a political show. No, yeah, no, but, but how are you finding? How yeah. are you finding that? Is it? Are you able to navigate it and sort of have feet in both worlds? You have to. Is the unfortunate reality? I mean, it's you know, it, it's kind of funny. Like it's a the the board is officially a nonpartisan position, and I think on the board itself, we do a really good job of uh, of being nonpartisan in our decision making. You know, we focus on what's going to be best for kids. Um, however, once you kind of get outside the, the board itself, more broadly, uh, politics is really unavoidable. And it's been, you know... In, and our schools are politicized. Yeah, well, that's often. what I mean. Yeah, our schools are very politicized. And that's for a lot of reasons. I mean, personally, I think one of the biggest reasons is because it lets other um, elected officials kind of off the hook if they can say, well, the problem with our society is that our kids just aren't educated enough. And like I said, I mean, there's no question that we need to be doing a better job, but education in and of itself is not going to, you know, solve a lot of our social ills. Um, And in fact, the fact that the reason that a lot of kids 
are that it can be difficult to educate a lot of kids is because of you know things that exist outside of the school i mean we i just talked last night at our board meeting we have officially 6100 homeless kids in our schools that's almost surely a severe undercount you know it's very difficult to get an accurate count on homelessness especially with kids the reality is as much money as we might spend in the schools trying to catch those kids up it's really, really hard to do that. Uh, when kids move around a lot, they just fall behind. And uh, so, um, you know, that's one reason I think that, that it gets so politicized, but also just because anytime you're talking about a huge amount of money, a, a huge amount of, you know, public sector employees, you know, we have four different collective bargaining units, I think, which of course have been, been politicized over the last 40 years. So. You know, working with Frankfurt has been really, really frustrating in some ways, but really surprisingly um, uh, beneficial in some other ways. Um, I wish I could say it was more the latter than the former, uh, but, and you can't always, and this is, we all know this intellectually, but we fall into our habits of kind of categorizing people by the D or the R by their name, you know, mm -hmm. but that's really not a great predictor a lot of the time for how people are going to respond to, to education. I mean, schools, if you think about the rest of the state, the school in a county with, you know, five schools, that's the thing, you know, that's what people identify with is the, you know, football team or the basketball team, you know, in, in, in a county. So, um, it, it leads to some really interesting, um, complex perspectives on schools that you might not think are there. Well, let's, I mean, as a, as a well-informed, well-educated, passionate guy with good values, <laughs> I'm talking about you, Oh yeah, um, well, you know, um, you sort of have the ability to interject yourself in purely local matters. If you want to, you're an right. elected official that, that, that is here in Louisville, Jefferson County. And I know that you have a variety of interests that education yeah. is a, a, a deep, long time passion of yours, but you care about a lot of things. Right. And so you have the ability to speak out and be bold. And I think that is fantastic. Well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. The state, they, they, they convene sort of only in January for a couple of months and then <laughs> right. it seems like they kind of go away. Are you um, prepared for the 2018 general assembly legislative session do you have um you know do you do you feel that you need to be a more powerful political voice or you I, have to understand I how, think, how yeah. that works i think we level. need to be a more powerful voice for facts mm -hmm. um you know because jefferson county is such an outlier among the 173 systems that are in kentucky it can be difficult for legislators that aren't from here, but even ones that are, uh, to really appreciate what JCPS is versus you know other public school systems. So, for instance, there was an interim joint committee uh, education committee meeting uh, last week or two weeks ago where they talked about student assignment, and it was very clear, not necessarily due to any fault of their own. Uh, very clear that some of the legislators just didn't have accurate information, you know, about student assignment, about buses. Uh, and listen, I mean, we're, we're trying very hard to get buses off the road. I mean, it'll enable us to save a lot of money, you know, and that's part of our comprehensive facilities look is how can, how can we, you know, take as many as a hundred buses off the road. So facts are important. And because education has become so politicized, there's a lot of different groups out there that are putting out talking points, some of which are based on reality more than others. Mm -hmm. So it, it's just really difficult 
my this was my experience last year. I mean, I was just doing this one year, obviously, but it was really difficult to kind of uh, uh, blow through all the smoke that's out there and say, no, like this is the reality. This is these are the salient facts that you know we need to focus on. It's not you know education is just not going to get better if we end busing. You know, in fact, it's going to get worse. And so, do you work closely? I know we're getting close to the end here. Yeah. Do you work closely with uh, our state representatives, senators, and and representatives here in Jefferson County? As close as we can. I mean, we there's a legislative action day that Kentucky School Boards Association puts on, and then. Um, you know, I was down in Frankfurt three or four times last year to, to talk to folks and just kind of observe some committees. Uh, Representative Mary Lou Marzian in, in your district and my district is on the education committee. Um, so, I, you know, I talked to her uh, periodically uh, about some things. I'm having a few state legislators actually uh, tomorrow uh, come visit my class at Spalding and, and be guest speakers there. So. Um, yeah, and that's, and I'm sure I think you probably find this too. One of the things that I like best about the job is getting to interact with all of these different people in all of these areas of government, most of whom are very smart, you know, uh, very passionate, very caring. You know, you just meet some really interesting people and, um, yeah, you just get a chance to, to really explore some interesting ideas. And I think that, you know, uh, I, I won't put us in the same age category. I know you're younger than I am, but, uh, you know, people on the youngish side of the spectrum, you know, we, I think we have uh, an ability to, to see things with a little fresher perspective, you know, and, and not get caught in these kind of old ideological battles that people kind of get caught in sometimes. You know, at the end of the day, I just want our school system to work efficiently yeah. for kids, for parents, you know, teachers. Uh, so and, that those kids have better, brighter perspectives yeah. than you and I, I do, and they almost certainly That's, will. I oh think. my gosh, you wouldn't <laughs> believe! Like you know, these the kids. Like last night at the board meeting, we had two different musical performances. These kids are so insanely talented. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about the kids that can speak Spanish. Um, you know, the kids in JCPS are doing just wonderful things. And yeah, I know there's a ton of challenges that we have, but you do wish sometimes that. Um, you know, media or community would focus more on just some of the, 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 the truly miraculous things that are happening in our schools. Well, whatever, whatever we can do on the Metro Council or here in District 8 to help you raise your voice, stand together, advocate for things in a way that we can that's, you know, nonpartisan and not divisive yeah. or any of these pilot projects that we can work on together to really uh, bring schools and neighborhoods and uh, citizens together. I'm interested. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. and we're out of time, but I hope we can do this again. Yeah, thanks for inviting uh, me. This is great. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, right. Chris Cobb. Thanks. Thanks for listening to 8 More Miles, the Louisville Metro Council District 8 podcast. Please stay in touch with our office. Visit our website at www.tinyurl.com slash cmconed8. And once you're there, please subscribe to receive our bi-weekly e-newsletter.